You know, God, <laughs> I'm telling you, there has been a spiritual war this week. Because the, the reason I said you're here by design is that I know God was calling you, and there's a few people that aren't here that should be here, but I'm telling you, the enemy was doing everything he could to get you to not be here today. Because someone in this room, I don't know who, is going to be set free and is going to be onto a pathway because you are beginning to realize you're in a war, right? So you are here by design. The Holy Spirit has been constructing your week. The Holy Spirit's been allowing and teaching things in your life to get you to a place where you can receive the word. But that's going to be your choice today of whether or not you, as an individual, want to receive from God's word. Amen? So it's not about you hearing a sermon and going, oh, I know who should listen to this one. No, it's not about that. It's about you personally taking what God is going to speak through his word today, through your pastor, and it's about you applying it to you. Amen? So I want you to work real hard because your mind is going to go astray and you're going to start thinking, wow, you're not turning that up, are you? Okay, because I'm hot and it's going to get hotter. I want you to know that you're here by design, and today, God wants you to focus on you, and it's going to be very tempting for you to, to get distracted in your mind and go, oh, I know someone that needs this. Oh, yeah, so-and-so, man, my, maybe it's your spouse sitting right next to you. Oh, yeah, oof. Ken could really, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I want everyone to focus on themselves, right? You need it. You need to hear this. You need to get in the fight for your destiny, for your life. Because remember what we talked about before, the best way that we can evangelize this community and fulfill our mission, which is to make Christ known, right? But the beginning part is to know him personally. So the best way we reach this community is for you to be the best you, right? The way you do it, the best you produces the best in others. Because if you're not an overcomer, if you're not free from bondage, how can you help someone else get free and grow in Christ and reach their destiny, right? So if we're walking around all the time so introverted and introspective looking at ourselves and going, oh my gosh, that we're, we're never getting free, then how, when people see us, they're going to be like, hey, who are you? What are you doing? You know, they've got to see Christ work in us, not just us profess God's word, because most Christians are good. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But is God's life working in you and actually producing fruit? Is there fruit in your life? Is there something? Are you an overcomer? Or are you getting beaten down week after week? God is a God of it. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that life more abundantly, right? There's an abundance. There's a fullness that we need to receive from God. Now, <laughs> In the prior weeks, if you missed it, um, some of them are online. One we missed, but I'm going to redo that one. But I really encourage you, if you didn't get any of those sermons, I want you to go through and listen to them and see what the Holy Spirit does in your life, because it's really important that you do that. But I want you to know why we're talking about this. Why are we talking about warfare? Why are we talking about learning the tactics? Remember last week we said when you enter the environment to know your environment of where you're fighting, and that a different environment requires different tactics to fight? Because we don't fight our battle in the flesh, in the physical. We're fighting a spiritual battle. So we need to have different tactics of fighting than we would in a physical realm. Just like in the military, right? Where if you, depending on where you're fighting and what you're fighting with, it's going to be a different battle. You can't go into battle with bows and arrows if someone has a machine gun and tanks. Not going to work. So we've got to be alert and aware of what's in our life and the, and the, the environment that we're in. And the fact that we are in a war so that we can know why we're here fighting. Why am I teaching about this? Why is it so important that God redirected my, my teaching plan to spend some time on warfare? Spend some time on fighting. Remember, Joshua and the Canaan land, that is our picture. You, if you don't understand that story, I want you to read that story again this week where Joshua entered the Canaan land, right? That whole story about Joshua. Remember, we talked about our promised land being what we do as Christians as we inherit God's promises 
for our life and we reach our destiny, right? So there's a lot of great lessons in that concept, and that's why we're teaching about warfare, because God has more for you. All of us, guys, God has more for us in this life right now that we need to take hold of, but he's not going to do it for you. He's not just going to let you sit and continue doing what you're doing and everything is going to get better. That's not how it works. Remember, you have to fight for it. You have to fight. It's not a choice, guys. This isn't if you want to fight, go. No, you're in a battle. Once you said Jesus is Lord, you're enlisted. And from that time on, God is training you and teaching you and preparing you to become like Christ. Remember? Okay, so we're looking at our whole life is a, a staging point for eternal life. God, from the time you get saved, growing up all the way, he's training you and teaching you to be like Jesus, right? We're about, it's about conforming to his image. So you guys ready to fight? Yeah. Right, is there any, are you with me on this one? Because I can just give a little milquetoast sermon about God, how much he loves you, and that, you know, I mean, how to, five points to have a successful Christian life. Or we can... Or we can learn how to take back what the enemy has stole from you in your life as of today. Yes, Lord, I will share that story. The Lord said, share the Amalekite story. So remember when King, King David, he was with a bunch of band of guys that were, he wasn't king yet, he was kind of running from Saul. And the Amalekites, when they were out battling, the Amalekites came and stole all their stuff. Was it the Amalekites? I don't know if it was the Amalekites. I think I'm messing up the names. So when they went to battle, they, they, they stole everything they had, and they ripped off uh, personal stuff and all their women and children. So imagine being out doing your job, coming home. Your kids are gone, your wife's gone, all your stuff's gone, and you have nothing left. And the picture today is that the enemy has done that to some of us. And he may have done it in parts. There may be a section in your life where he's just completely ripping you off. Maybe your health. Maybe your finances. Maybe relationships. And King David said, they were about to kill him. They were pretty ticked. David, why did you make us go? And you, It was your fault. And so David's like, oh my gosh. So he went to the Lord. He, the Bible says he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, should we go attack them? And God said, yep, attack them, and, and, you will, and you shall recover all. You shall recover all. And I'm telling you, the reason I'm preaching on this is because the devil's been ripping you off, stealing from you in all various kinds of ways, and it's time we learn that through Christ, we have the power and the authority to take back what the enemy has stolen from us and start living a life that God intended for us to live. Amen? Does anyone want to go that, down that road? Yeah. yeah, okay, a few of us, good. Two, three, all right. Let's, let's do this. All right, so remember last week in review, if you have your notes, does everyone have notes? If you didn't have a note, we do have some extra uh, pages for that. Um, if, you like, if you're a note person, I highly recommend it, even if you're not your favorite, it helps you remember stuff. And then remember, as the Holy Spirit's teaching um, through gifts, then you guys will learn stuff. The Holy Spirit might tell you something that I don't even have in my notes, but he may be teaching you something, so it's important that you write that down because that's God teaching you, and that's how the, the, the priority of teaching is. God wants to do that. So last week we looked at our best offense, right, is a good defense. Remember that concept? So the fact that we're learning the schemes of the enemy. The, the reason we're even learning this is because Paul said, don't be unaware of the enemy's plans and deceitfulness and schemes which he could have said, hey guys, make sure you know how to fight and what's going on. Make sure you know how the enemy works. Amen? So we've got to do that. 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us that we should be familiar with the enemy's devices, the way he schemes against you. Because you don't want to go into a battle and don't understand that because you're going to get whooped every time. Even as a Christian. So learn that. So we, learned, we talked about that last week. Another uh, review from last week, B, is that we learned the strategies of the enemy by learning what his name meant. Remember his name? A devil or devils was Dia Bolos. Remember the Bolos I had, right? Three strands with rocks or something on the back. 
A bolos is this, where you swing it like this and you throw it at Robert, and I missed him. He's lucky, but I couldn't swing. I didn't want to hit anyone. Um, but the bolos, are a, it was a weapon to throw at an enemy, entangle them, and fall them so that they could be killed. Dia means to throw, or through, and then bolos meant to throw. So dia, bolos, or the word for devil, means to throw through. We got to get that, guys. That's a concept you've got to understand and learn because we're, Paul says don't be unaware of how the enemy fights. And we learned last week that the enemy fights, his main battleground is the mind, the, the soul and the heart where he can cast, right? He can throw thoughts through, right? To throw through in order to capture, kill, or injure. That's the concept of his name. His name means that, guys. We have to get a hold of this because if you don't understand where the battle's at and how, what the weapons of his warfare are, you won't be able to fight back. So we talked about the fact that the enemy throws thoughts through, through deception and lies, and tries to get you to come in to an agreement. We, we just began on that. And today we're going to talk about unholy agreements. We're going to get into more of how that battlefield looks and what we can do about it. So see, remember our last thing we learned uh, last week was if the devil can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. Remember? So if the enemy can lure you into thinking a certain way, then eventually he can take those principles as, he, as you buy into them, as you are suckered into believing a lie, even if it's really small, he gains influence in you and can begin to take from you. So if he can get you to think a certain way, he can get you an act. Remember, the abundance out, out of the abundance of the heart comes your words, right? The heart comes out here. So it's eventually going to get from inside to action. It's the same psychologically, if you go to any psychologist, any type of um, mind medicine where they talk about that, is that if you start thinking you'll start doing. The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's God speaking. As a, man, as a person thinks in their heart and meditates on that, and it becomes truth to them, they become that. Are you seeing the battlefield? So now the enemy knows how physically we are made up, so he's manipulating how we are as human beings and trying to knows that, hey, if I can just get in that first stage and get a thought that's not correct, a lie built in there, then I could have more influence in this person's life, more power. So that's where I'll, I'll gear my efforts towards. And then after a while, I'll have so much influence on that level that I can start determining actions that these people will do based on their belief system. We see it today, guys. You've seen it in the elections. You've seen this type of warfare in real life, where they flood the media with false stories, people believe the false stories, and they act upon what they believed, even though what they believed was a lie. I mean, you've seen it, right? Are you with me? Okay. Let's do some jump, man, you guys. Are... I saw a video on Facebook where it was a group of people that after uh, Trump came out with his tax plan, they interviewed people from a very liberal college. And they, they started talking to them, and they said, hey, what do you think of um, Trump's new tax plan? Oh, it's horrible. Oh, I can't believe it. Man, he's a jerk. Da, da, da. They just started bashing on the president. And he said, oh, he said, well, okay, so, hey, have you, did you hear what Bernie Sanders said? And they're like, no, 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 what did he say? Well, he came out with a tax plan that he thought would work, and that Trump should take it and do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to hear that. What's that? Yeah, Bernie Sanders. You go, whoo So the guy said, well, Bernie Sanders said, A, da-da-da. Well, what he did is he put Bernie Sanders' name on it, but all the ideas and changes were what Trump actually did. <laughs> so they, he said, so he wants to do this with you know, taxes and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, that's a good idea. I think, yeah. That's a, I think I would, I would get behind that, yeah. And then they said, oh, he wants to do this with credit and da-da-da. Oh, yeah, that's another. I could, I could see why that would work. And so here's these liberal people believing 
that Bernie Sanders' way was better even though it was Trump's actual, actually what he did and put into, into practice. And I thought, man, what a beautiful picture of how deception and deceit works with a lie. Because if you can feed a lie and get someone to believe that it's true, to them it's truth, and so what happens? Their actions start matching up to what their belief system is. Are you with me? So that's a very important part of how to fight spiritually because the enemy is trying to lure you just like that guy in the video did by suckering you into saying, hey, remember we, taught, we saw this analogy. We saw the power of suggestion. Remember we talked about, um, who did we talk about, Kelly, from Star Wars? Oh, uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, yes. Obi-Wan Kenobi. These aren't the droids you're looking for. You're right? And sorry if you're not a Star Wars fan. Yeah, move on. Let's move on in the sermon. Thank you. Are you suggesting that I move on in the sermon? Yeah, okay. Whoa, he's controlling me. Oh, my God. What's that? <laughs> that was funny. But we saw the power suggestion with Eve and the serpent. Remember how we walked through the concepts of, with Eve, right? How Eve was deceived and the enemy, the enemy said, uh, did God really say that? So God, the enemy usually starts out with a question mark on what truth is. Is that really true? Is, it, is that just said? Yeah. So we, we saw that progression of how the, the enemy deceived Eve, got her to believe a lie about God, and then what was the end result? Death, separation from God. So I want you to maybe write this in your notes, because I was thinking about this as I studied this week. Have you ever heard this saying about the best medicine is preventative medicine? Right? So the best medicine is preventive medicine. I want you to think about that in far as the spirit realm. Because God wants you to know that the best way to fight the enemy is to get preventative right now. Because the enemy always has an end goal in mind. He always, he's always leading you to something. He's always leading you to kill, steal, and destroy you, right? So that's his equation. That's his end sum. So, but the parts of the sum, right, the addition part that he's adding up together to get to that sum are several parts. So if we're preventative, if we are all today going to be honest within ourselves and what's going on in here, and say, okay, God, help me be preventative. Because if you choose to not believe or, or fight this way, you have the total freedom to do that. However, you will suffer through the consequences of believing that because the enemy is planning for your downfall. He's planning for your destruction. He is getting you, and he's, he's trying to do everything he can in your life to set you up, to get you distracted and away from God. Amen? So preventative is the best. So being honest and going, hey, let's not look at the symptom Let's look at the root cause. Because a lot of us try and go, hey, man, I, oh, I, you know, I got a headache. And so they think, oh, the aspirin right away. Well, why are you getting that headache? Let's look at what, what's going on in your life. Are you getting enough sleep? I'm, I'm using a physical analogy. Are you getting, are you, how's your diet? Are you getting rest? Are you stressed and worried about something? Those can be all additional marks to get the end part of a dysfunction in your body. Are you with me? So it's better to go back and say, hey, let's go down instead of trying to treat the end result, why don't we start being preventive and go, well, what's causing this? What's feeding this thing? So maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe you're stressed out and worried, and maybe there's some sickness that's related to that, and you're so focused on getting treatment for that, which I'm not, I'm not dogging against that. Yeah, go for it. However, that's just the end result. I've heard doctors say, that what they do, they don't, they can't really heal. They can just try and, medicines can just try and get your body in a place where it can heal itself. Because the body is self-healing. So really medicine just kind of helps that, you know, get, get, it, get it in a position where it can actually get to a place where it can heal itself. But medicine doesn't heal. God's your healer. God is your healer. And so medicine does that. So in the same concept in the spirit realm, you've got to understand that if we go back and we look back of what's, what's the big thing in your life, because we're going to ask this later, what's going on in your life that you would really want to get victory over? And what is that thing that is going on in your life that you go, God, I could really, if I got victory over this, man, it would be an awesome thing for me, for a testimony, for everything. And then God will start helping you look and go, instead of just focusing on this, I want you to start looking at the things, the little things that you've believed in the, in the past to get you there, right? Preventative medicine. <laughs> 
So as we go forward as Christians, we want to make sure that we're paying attention to the little things in life and that we're in God's word so that we're so familiar. I heard a Bible scholar once say, you need to be so familiar with God's truth that when the devil tries to put a lie in front of you, you'll recognize it like that. Because the problem is today, we don't recognize the lies because they're subtle. Greg, I'm going to have, have to turn on the air. Can you turn it back on for me? But Thanks, man. Sorry, guys, if you're cold, forgive me, but it's hot. I don't know if these lights. <sighs> um, all right, so let's get going. Because oh, we got a Sikh parade coming, right? What time does that thing start? 11? Oh, okay. Well, let's get going then. All right. So the question is, what do we do with these thoughts? What do we do with these flaming arrows, right? So we know the, the, the enemy is a thought thrower, and that he's throwing thoughts. So what do we, I want to get first of a mindset, and then we're going to get into actually what a stronghold is and looks like. So what do we do with these? What's our mindset, and how do we approach this battle with these thoughts? So I want you to think about this a little bit. Um, in Ephesians 5.8, you can turn there if you want or listen. I just put the uh, reference in there so you can look at it this week. But we got to have a mindset of how we're approaching this. So in Ephesians 5.8, Paul gives us a good insight. He says, for... You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In verse 10, it says, finding, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And in verse 11, underline that. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, rather expose them. Okay, and I want to take a look at that verse. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So check out what the word fellowship means, right? Fellowship has the word, have you ever heard of koinonia? You've heard of that in, in the past. It's Christian fellowship. Well, that word is built into this word. So it's that fellowship of coming together and having an agreement. But look at what fellowship means in the Greek here when, when Jesus says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So now what are those unfruitful works? They're looking at the summation, but really they're saying the lies that the enemy throws at you, those are unfruitful. So if you buy into those, you produce unfruitful uh, fruit in your life. So the word means to share jointly partaking together, and it means to participate with because you're closely identifying with someone. So to have fellowship with someone in a good way means that, like me and my wife, we're fellowshiping because we're coming into agreement. We become, we're participating together because we agree on the same things and I'm involved with her and she's involved with me. But in this part, when it says no fellowship, it means don't get into an agreement with something else or some other person and come into an agreement or fellowship with them. Are you with me? But the Bible says, rather, expose that, right? Expose that agreement or that participation together. Are you with me? So as the enemy's trying to lure you down uh, sin alley and trying to get you to take on lies that are going to bring destruction in your life, you have to view it in your mindset of, wait a minute, I can't come into fellowship with this thought because that thought is going to take me away from God's purposes. So have no fellowship with the thoughts that come, but rather expose them. Call them what they are. That's part of fighting, right? Exposing a lie is how? You expose it with your mouth. That's not true. When the enemy says to you, or you have a thought in your mind that you can't do it, or you're not good enough, or you're ugly, or you're this or that, you've got to come back with God's word and say, no, I'm exposing that. That's the mindset you have to have, that you're exposing lies and bringing truth and light into it. Does that sound good? Is that, you got, you got it? Okay. The Strong's definition is this, to become a partaker together with others or to have fellowship with a thing. Interesting definition there. So fellowship, having fellowship with a thing or partaking together with others. And in this way, um, that would mean fellowship with a lie or, or uh, the enemy. So don't have, in, in your mark, don't have fellowship with a lie. That's our concept that we want to get today. Don't have fellowship with a lie. And the only way you can know what is truth and a lie is to be so familiar with God's word. Guys, if you don't have God's word in your heart, if you're not meditating on God's word every day, you are missing basic 101 of Christian life. 
and you will go nowhere. You are trying to build a house on a shaky foundation or a foundation of sand. It will not work. You've got to get into your word. This is a side commercial, okay? Get into your word. You've got to read your word. If you're not, get a plan. If you don't know how to do that, come talk to me. I will help you. But you've got to be in the word. Even if it's just reading a couple verses or meditating on one verse a day, do it because it is life to you. Psalms 1 makes it very clear that if you meditate on God's word day and night, you'll be like a tree planted right by a river, getting nourishment and developing fruit in every season. But if you're not doing that, you're going to be the opposite of that. Are you with me, guys? You've got to get in your word. Be encouraging each other. Get in the word. Memorize scripture. That is such a huge foundation. In fact, all spiritual warfare is nothing if you don't have the word. The word is your, your sword. The word is your foundation. It is, uh, it, it's the most powerful thing in the universe is the spoken word of God. So don't have fellowship with a lie. Okay, second concept. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Familiar verse, and in this verse it's talking about a similar concept. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And a lot of Christians use that for people marrying non-Christians, but... That's in there, but I want to talk about a different concept here of what this means. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with the devils or demonic realm? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Well, so the answer is, Nothing. <laughs> they don't have anything in common with. And so when we look at that Greek word there, and do you recognize any of that word in that, uh, the first Greek word there? Why? Hetero. Yes. So the Greek word hetero. Remember? Heterosexual. Different sexes. Right? Homo, same, sex. So that's where that Greek word comes from, but it's interesting. So let's look at what that means. So the first one, you're right. Hetero means other or different, okay? Zugo, probably saying it wrong, but I don't really care. Zugio, Zugio, means a yoke or coupling, okay? So remember on ox, right? They would put the yokes, and the yokes would go with them and Keep them to the ox together because they have to work together to go along to plow the fields, right? So that would yoke them or bind them together. So it's saying don't be unequally yoked. So you should yoke the same but not different, okay? So in that yoke, look at it in the spirit realm. When you come into that and that en the enemy's throwing thoughts in your mind and you're hooking onto them, you're becoming yoked with the truth or not of that principle, Okay, so for instance, your identity in Christ. So I am a sinner because I sin. Is that true? What's true? Thank you. Thank you. So the truth is that I am one declared righteousness. I am a saint who I happen at times I do sin. So the concept is very subtle, but actually it's huge in understanding who you are in Christ, right? You've got to understand your identity in Christ is not based on your works, it's based on him, right? So, but the concept there is don't be unequally yoked with a lie concept. So when you come into an agreement with something and you believe a lie, what you do is you yoke yourself. Just think of those things. Remember the prison things where they went like this? You know, they had a hole here and then your arms were there. Think of that as a yoke or a barrier and being yoked or chained up to another person and you could never get away from that. That's what it's like in the spirit realm when you start believing a lie from the enemy. You, if you believe it, it gets in your heart and you, it becomes part of you. Okay? So if you're yoked to that, there's a bondage and a trap there. So the Bible's saying in our mindset of this is that do not be unequally yoked. Don't be yoked with something different, right? Don't be yoked to something that's going to take you away from God. So an agreement with a lie binds you to that kingdom. That's a fill in there if you want to fill that in. This uh, yoking, the lie binds you to that kingdom. So when you come into agreement and you start believing a lie, the concept and the mindset that we need to realize and recognize is that it binds us to that kingdom. 
All right, a clear mindset will give you a distinct advantage, okay? So these concepts of seeing these, of not having fellowship and being yoked, that mindset of looking at this will help us understand and give us a clear advantage as we go into the strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? How does a stronghold get built? 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 3 through 5. Familiar verse, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't, but let's read through this. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for the pulling down or the ripping down or the grabbing hold of and yanking, and that's what that word means, strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, <clears throat> bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so the first thing I want you to notice in here is that in this concept, you have to initiate the battle. You have to be the one. God's not going to sit there and make you do all this. You have to decide in your own heart, hey, I'm going to agree to take this stronghold and deal with it. I'm going to have to cast down arguments, okay? So I want you to know that your initiation is key in this. You have to do the fighting. God's not going to do the fighting for you. He will help and assist you. But remember, church, he's training you to be a warrior for him. Everyone, girl, boy, all of us the same. We are all to be spiritual warriors because it doesn't matter. See, in the physical, we think, oh, men have, you know, typically more strength. That has nothing to do in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, your, it's your faith and your trust and your knowledge of God's word and your faith in him that's going to make you a warrior. It's not about physical strength in the spirit realm. So we've got to understand that we are all in training for uh, warriors because it's about God's strength and his power, not us, right? Yes. Amen. Okay. So let's look at this verse closely. So when it says in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God, for the pulling down of strongholds. I want to take a look. What does that stronghold mean? So in the, in the Greek, this word for stronghold means a fortified military stronghold, a strong-walled fortress, okay? But obviously in this context, it's being talked about figuratively. So it's not a literal physical wall, but it's a figurative wall. So look at what this word means in that sense. It is used figuratively of a false argument, listen to this, church, if you can get this today, this would be awesome, is used figuratively of a false argument in which a person seeks shelter, a safe place, to escape reality. Don't think of anyone else about who's doing this. Think about you. How is this being manifest in your life? What false arguments are you having built in your thinking mind about a safe place where you escape? So I'm not picking on any smokers today, but I'm just going to use that example. A lot of times, because smoking is an addiction to the nicotine, that becomes a, an addiction. But the most smokers I've ever talked to, they have to smoke when they're anxious, worried, stressed. They got to yell and they, gotta, they smoke because that is a, they're seeking a shelter a place, a safe place for them to relax and be okay. And it's not just smoking. There's a million false comforters out there, all right? You know, all the way from going shopping and spending stuff you don't have, putting stuff on credit cards. That's a false comforter, right? Okay? Going to a person all the time and telling them all your stuff instead of going to the Holy Spirit. There's one comforter that we should go to, Holy Ghost, okay? The Holy Spirit is your comforter. If you have an issue, your problem, your stress, your worry, you go to him and say, Holy Spirit, I'm stressed. Help me. I need you. He will bring uh, real comfort. Everything else that you go to, maybe you just want to escape in a movie. Am I saying movie's bad? No, but I'm saying people can use that to get out of reality. Are, are we all together on this? A false argument, which a person seeks a safe place to get out and escape reality. Because a lot of us at times... We want out of reality because reality bites sometimes, doesn't it? So we're like, oh, God. And so we seek out those things that, uh, I'll be real, it's one of my false comforters that I constantly battle is stinking ice cream. I'm, and I know, it's funny, but it's real. Like, I, oh, I deserve it. It's hard. I'm stressed. I need, oh, 
I'm just going to go get it. I mean, she knows. She's like, I didn't even, she didn't even get yogurt until frozen yogurt until she met me. Now frozen yogurt's one of her things. But that's something that I have to be careful on because sometimes I'll run to that or veg out on, on a movie series because I want to escape. I want to get out. But really, if I'm really honest with myself, what's going on? Because how be it for me to go spend two to three hours watching some show on Netflix when I haven't spent one second with the Lord? Do you see the idolatry there? Are the movies bad? No, no, I'm not saying the movies are bad or not. They may be, and there may be, that's another issue. But what I'm saying is, though, is that why are you going to the movies? Why are you wanting that three-hour escape? Why are you trying to get out of that? Why are you going to sexual addictions? Why do you escape to pornography? Why do you go do this or that? Why are you doing that? Because you're escaping. You should be going to the Holy Spirit saying, Holy Spirit, I have this desire right now, and I don't know what to do with it. And in the natural, God, you know exactly what I would do next. But I don't want to do that. Because that's a false comforter. You go to it, you experience it, it makes it feel better for a couple seconds, minutes, or whatever, and then it goes, you're right back where you were, no change, and then actually in deeper bondage. Do you know that when you go to a false comforter, you indebt yourself in bondage, you twist down, it's like driving a screw into wood. Every time you go to that false comforter, it twists it in more, you twist it in more, you think it's bringing you relief and it gives you a few seconds of pleasure, but then you're just in more and more bondage. It's a false comforter. So the stronghold, right, is a place in which a person seeks shelter and to escape reality. Now, what is that stronghold made up of? Well, Paul tells us right in the next verse. Pulling down strongholds, comma, casting down arguments. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. It's casting down the arguments. Who are you arguing with? We've all been there. Where it's in our heart, in our mind. Remember we talked about the different voices that you could have in your mind. So you have your own self-generated thoughts, right? Okay. Then you have God. When he speaks to you, and he is, every one of you in this room God is speaking to, you just have to get your radio dial tuned into the right channel. Some of you think, oh, I can never hear God's voice. No, no, you... There is a direct line from God Almighty to your spirit, man, and you can hear God as much as you want to. But you've got to turn the dial, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Renew your mind. So you have God's voice, you have your own self-generated thoughts, you have the enemy, the diabolos, who's casting stuff, thoughts through your mind. When the, when the enemy speaks, right, it's not a thought, it's a voice. There is an entity, there is a kingdom of darkness, and when they speak, to you. You're hearing them as thoughts. Remember last week we talked about the fact that you could hear that in first person. And that's what's one of the things that helped me get free. When I realized that the enemy could lure me into a trap by speaking, and when he said, I would be standing here, and the enemy would just, I'm such a loser. So me standing here have a thought in my mind, I'm such a loser. And if I'm not alert and ready for battle, I'm like, well, I did just totally screw this up. Man, I did. Oh, man, I totally messed. Yeah, well, I guess I am a loser. Whoa, I'm coming into an agreement. I'm yoking myself with an unholy concept. I'm putting bondage on me and tying it to the evil thought, and I'm becoming one with that, and I'm starting to believe that. And so the enemy, remember, has topo space. Remember, don't give the devil any space. So when you're feeling there, a stronghold is a prison that you put yourself into because you have yoked yourself to a lie and come into an agreement with hell on any given subject. Take some time to pray on this this week and ask the Holy Spirit, What's going on in your strongholds in your life? Church, I don't care if you're saved or not. The devil doesn't care if you're saved or not. He is trying to lure you back. You can be a Christian 
and be saved and have your name written in the book of life and still have some strongholds that you need to deal with. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the devil says, oh, I'll just leave you alone. No. Wouldn't it be nice? Paul wouldn't talk about all this warfare lingo if we weren't in a serious battle for our destiny. Is that good? All right. So I want to end with an illustration of what this kind of looks like. One of the... um, One of the crazy things about a stronghold is you think you're building a wall. You you believe the enemy's lies and you you start thinking you're protecting yourself. Oh, yeah, you get a little afraid and stuff happens in life and we, we think we're building a wall, but really we're building a prison. Remember in Isaiah 61, Jesus, and he quoted that scripture when he was on the earth, he said, I'm coming to set captives free and to break open prison doors. So the, the, the lie is that we build up walls between people and things, and the, a lot of those are based on lies, but a lot of that, what, what we don't realize is we're placing those walls on all four sides of our life. And so we think we're going, oh, I'm going to protect myself, and I'm going to put up a wall against this person, and we think we're just protecting ourselves when really we're, we're pushing ourselves back into a prison. And so as we go through this, I want you to have that in mind, but... You know, a lot of things start when we're young. A lot of things in, with a stronghold start when we're little. And I don't know about you, but um, anyone ever said you're stupid? Yeah. Or you're no good? Yeah. Never amounts to nothing? Parents' words are so powerful. You can word curse your kid into bondage in the first few years of their life. And so a lot of us, we start out with a lie that comes in as we're little, and we may have done something silly, and, but our parents said, man, that was dumb. You're so dumb. And then they believe that. And they go, yeah, you know. And see, they're learning the lie. I did something dumb, therefore I'm dumb. So they're learning their identity based on what a man says. This is key, guys. Get this in your hearts. You're learning your identity based on what a man says about you. God's truth is... Is it's not what man says about you, it's what God says about you. You might do something dumb, but that doesn't make you who you are. It just means you did something silly or dumb. No biggie. We all do it. But my identity can't come from what men or a person says. It's got to come from God. Amen? So, let's look at some of these. Now, some of these, this first level is very basic and can be small things, but remember, this is the foundation. The enemy doesn't ever come to you and say, at first without ever prepping you and go, hey, go kill so-and-so. And And you've never had the thought, right? That would be, you know, you wouldn't do these crazy stuff, right? So he starts out like a frog in boiling water. You've heard the story. Put a frog in boiling water, he jumps out. Put a frog in cool water, he stays and slowly turn up the heat. He'll stay in there and he'll fry. So the enemy does little pieces in our life and maybe it's through your childhood that um, another, you know, same concept, but idiot. I've had people tell me that that was their nickname. You're such an idiot. Been called an idiot. So these blocks start start growing and start building up. And, you know, another thing, too, that you can't forget that's usually in the the first level of of building a a wall and and having a stronghold in your life. Um, But don't forget this, trauma. A traumatic event in your younger years, even in your older years, this one can actually be at, at any level. But a traumatic event or trauma usually gives the the devil an entryway because there's hurt. And where there's hurt and pain, the enemy comes in with his lies to try and give you a false comforter to suck you into believing him. So a lot of times children go through and their parents split up and then they take on that trauma. Or they have a friend or dad or brother die. And I had one lady that um, she was really young and her mom was sick and it was it was, it was a while ago when the hospitals weren't as good as they are today, and this one lady, um, she got completely delivered. It was so awesome. Um, she had a, a, a spirit of fear. She had a fear of death, and it was real. It was, it was an intense, real fear, and as we counseled and prayed through it, God showed us that this spirit, this diabolos, 
through his thought when she was a little girl like five and her mom was sick and going to die and was in the hospital and at that time they wouldn't let kids in. And so she wanted to go in and they wouldn't let her but she, her mom was going to pass and it was a traumatic event where the enemy came in with fear and that comforter came in and thinking she was protecting herself from this awful traumatic event invited a concept that wasn't from God in and so she had this awful fear of death. So tra traumatic events, and there's a million different traumas that can happen when you're younger, and I know some of you experience some trauma when you're younger, but that could be the root or one of the foundational things to a, a, a stronghold in your life. All right. Let's see. Uh, this one can come in young in life, too, loneliness. Loneliness, feeling alone. being isolated, people not liking you. Another one we often do when we're younger is failure. When we fail at something, something doesn't go right. So we see we're, we're developing a, a, a low-lying stronghold. We think is a one wall, but it's really encircling us and keeping us trapped. And then... As you grow up, and again, there's no secret formula to this. These, these things can come in at any level of the stronghold, but I want you to recognize that it builds up, and it gets worse. The enemy, remember I said it twists in every time? The enemy gets worse and worse and worse, and then when he has all these lies built up, because that's what uh, Corinthians is talking about. The stronghold is a bunch of arguments that have exalted themselves above God. And then we have rejection. So rejection, rejection being in school or rejection from your parents. Get her, you're, you're to be seen, not heard. Anyone ever heard that one? You know, you're, be quiet. Your opinion doesn't matter. You have no voice. Oh, we don't want to play with you. You're, you're this, you're that. You're, so that, that spirit of rejection comes in. And then with that comes in three Ds that we'll talk about. Disappointment. Disappointment comes in when you start getting down in yourself. You start believing those lies about, man, I guess I am this way. And you start getting more strongly intent, uh, entrenched in that. Then comes in some disillusion. You don't realize, you don't know who you are. You're kind of disillusioned on life. You don't know who to turn to. That's when a lot of people start turning away from God and they start experimenting in the occult. They start experimenting in drugs and alcohol. They get disillusioned. They don't, they don't know who they are. They don't know their identity They've been rejected, and so then despair starts uh, sinking in. You ever felt kind of despair or hopelessness come in? That can come in strong. And as you can see, we're starting to build a wall here, and we're starting to put up a wall between us and God. I want to add in here discouragement. Ever felt discouraged, getting down? And sometimes you don't even know why. The enemy's bringing in lies, trying to get you deceived into fulfilling his will. You know, because what does God say? He says he wants his spirit to live. He want, God wants to live through us, right? So we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, and then God lives out of us, and we, we bless and anoint and pray and do all the great stuff we do as a church and Christians, right? Well, hell's kingdom has the same thing. They want you to believe their lies and bring all this junk into people's life. Then we get up a little higher level, and it starts, we start getting thoughts of hopelessness. This is where it gets kind of tricky and stinks. You start feeling hopeless. You feel like there's no way out. You kind of feel like, man, what am I doing here? Man, I don't know if God's going to come through. What am I going to do? I've tried things. There doesn't seem to be a way out. And a lot of people, even at even the second level, first level, can be like a bullied. Then it'll come in, and maybe you're bullied at work, even like promotional-wise, or even as a kid bullied on the playground. Those kind of lies can come up, and the, the, the enemy starts playing with you, because when you get bullied or you get uh, uh, treated like that, that creates a, a spirit of fear in you. And you get afraid, and then you start putting up more defenses because you're trying to protect yourself. And then, of course, fear. 
is a cousin, and fear can be anywhere in here. You can have fear coming in in your tra traumatic event when you're really little or when this, this lie concept is beginning. And I, as you look at these guys, I want you to realize that um, these are just words I'm putting out here, but I know each of you, and on the bottom of your notes, you see a little wall. Your assignment is going to be to look at your wall and see maybe the lies that the enemy's done in your life because I know some of you today might feel trapped. That's kind of along with hopelessness, but you get to the point where you feel like it's fight or flight. You got to make a decision and you feel like there's no other way out. You're getting desperate. And then it kind of moves up a little. Then you start getting thoughts of self-hate. Unforgiveness towards yourself. You're so frustrated, all the rejection, all the stupid things people told you were, all the fear that's coming in, then a thought starts arising that, man, you, you, God, you really did blow it. I, you know, and then that develops that where you start hating what you did and you start holding resentment against yourself for the things that you did in your life and that happened to you and you get guilty to where you start in your mind resenting your own life. You start thinking thoughts of, man, you, des you deserve this treatment. People start cutting themselves. They start hating what they, they, what they represent, what they've done, or what people have done to them. And of course, what comes in with that is distortion. You start seeing a distorted you. You start to see what the enemy wants you to see rather than what God wants you to see. And when you're at this point, you're, the enemy's primed you, and I had, God had me do this specific stronghold because I think people, this is a real issue in our society. But when the enemy's worked on you, and this could be your whole life, worked on you with lie after lie after lie, and then the enemy the spirit of suicide, he'll come in and he'll say, you know, it'd probably be better if you just didn't even exist. And see, he can't say this up front. He rarely says this down here. He a lot of times says it here. Because down here, you're not quite ready for it. But after he suckers you in to level after level and uses the traumas that come in in school and family. He gets you to the point where you hate yourself, you're hopeless. Why don't you just drive into that tree? Why don't you just take those pills and just end it? It'd be so much better. I mean, look how awful your life is now. Just take it and get it over with. There's nothing after life anyway. See how the devil's manipulating us and trying to get us to think? Because he knows, he knows that there is something after life. He knows that there's an eternal life. He knows that every person saved or unsaved is going to live forever. Did you know that? You all have eternal life. It just matters who you're going to spend it with and where. And then we know from the word that the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. And his end result is always death. It's always death, destruction. It's always stealing. It's always robbing you. And that's his goal. That's his stronghold. That's his wall. And he's trying to build, he's building this wall to separate you from God. To separate you from the truth of what God really thinks about you. And the only way to deal with this, Paul tells us, he told us in Corinthians, he said, how do we deal with this? We pull it down. We cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts. And what did he say? He says, bring every thought into captivity and make it obey Christ. Robert, I'm going to pick on you again. Would you come up here? We're almost done, guys. You get to be Jesus. This is pretty cool. All right. Josh, you want to come up here and help me real quick? You want to be the guy or the devil? <laughs> uh, 
Make a wise choice. Let be the guy. Be the guy. I'll be the devil. I'll be the devil. Okay. You're the guy. So Paul tells us how to fix this and how to fight this. Okay? So I'm going to be diabolos. Right? So when I speak, he's going to hear it as a thought. And Paul tells us how we can conquer this wall. Ready? You're such a loser. So he's thinking that, right? So, huh? Such a loser. So the enemy says, you're a loser, you're no good. So he has the, in his unsafe state, he would probably go, yeah, I screwed this up, yeah, whatever, I probably am. But with Christ, he says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) That doesn't match with God's word. That doesn't match with God's word. So he says, hey, Hey. I'm going to go check with Jesus. Jesus? Sit on, the th- sit on the throne. Go up. So Josh goes to the throne. Hey, Jesus. Hello, Josh. Am I a loser? Have I ever said you're a loser? Don't check. Don't ask. Yeah, he did. Yes? <laughs> but you made me this way. <laughs> Robert's like, oh, no! So remember, remember Eve's problem? Remember Eve's problem? She didn't know the word. She didn't know what was said, remember? Remember Jesus' victory with Satan? What did he do? The word says. The word says. The word says. Did he get a, an argument or any? No. no. He wasn't arguing. He's saying no. And Jesus, who's going to get better and better in the word, is, <laughs> would say, no way. I fashioned you and formed you. I made you especially, you're, an art, you're a masterpiece. Oh, that's good news. Come on over. <laughs> so he turns to me. So now if, he did, if that's all he does, he still has the lie because he hasn't totally finished dealing with it. Now what he needs to say is what the gospel say, say into the mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. So what, what do you have to say to me now? Thought, I reject you by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and by his blood, and I bind you in captivity, and I cast you out. I will have no part of you. So, thank you, thank you. We get the concept right. Stay there for a second, Jesus. So, what did I call him? So, if I knock... Oh... Oh, wow. Wait a minute. Why did the top ones fall? See what happens when you go for the root? The identity? Who you are? What God's word says about you? We're spending so much time in here going, oh my God, there's suicide. There's this, all this crazy stuff. And no, real. It's all real. I'm not, not minimizing that. But we focus so much on here that if we start getting our foundation stirred and we start going, oh, you're lonely. No one wants to be around you. Hey, Jesus. I'm feeling really lonely. No one wants to hang out with me. What do you think? You want to hang out with me? I gave my life for you. I love you. Awesome. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? Oh, wow. Wait, if, and now I have to exercise faith to believe that what he's saying is true. Right? That's his word. That's where your faith comes in. You have to believe that it's true, because if you don't believe that's true, you can hear it and read it, and it's nothing. But if you believe it in your heart that God said it and means it and it's real, it becomes truth. It is truth, but now because you believe the truth, what did Jesus say? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Does truth set you free? No. Knowing it, believing it, living it sets you free. So when you believe God's word, you start taking loneliness out and things start crumbling from the top down because you're shaking the foundation of what the enemy spent years building. Do you see that? You guys, we can live a life of helping people who are dealing with, and this is just one wall. Suicide's one of many things that are plaguing us. You could put all kinds of stuff on the top here. All kinds of addictions and trauma and junk in our life 
but it's the same thing. We can help by learning God's word and knowing how the enemy works. We can help people get free from that. That excites me. I want to spend my life helping people break down walls and get free from bondage so that now they can live a life and fulfill their destiny in Christ. The goal, again, guys, is the promised land. Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you. And I just want every head bow, every eye closed. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to just really speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for showing us what a stronghold looks like. And Lord, we're thankful, God, today that we've seen most of all, and the most important, God, we've seen today that there's hope. There is hope, God. We are not stuck. We are not stuck. Our wheels aren't spinning, God. You've given us a way out. First Corinthians tells there's no temptation except what is common to man. But God is faithful, and he won't tempt you beyond what you're able, but he'll also provide a way out. He'll provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. God, you've given us hope today. Because no matter what we're struggling with, no matter what sin has us captive, no matter if it's sexual immorality and we're, we're doing sex outside of marriage, God, no matter if it's an addiction to drugs or alcohol, no matter what it is, God, that's got us bound up and tied down, Lord, there's hope in you, Jesus. And it's by your powerful word and faith in you, God, that we can get through this. But Lord, you've, you've told us that we have to go after this thing. We have to fight it. We have to fight this. We have to initiate the battle. Because you've already given us the victory. We just have to enforce the victory in our life. So Lord, we thank you for that. And if there's anyone here today, no one looking around, this is just you, that says, yeah, Pastor Doug, I've, I, I wasn't dealing with suicide. Maybe, maybe some of you were, but I was dealing with something else. But I want to be free from that. I want to start that journey of freedom myself. And I believe the Holy Spirit's telling me, today's my day to start tearing down my wall. Start yanking down those lies that are keeping me in bondage. If that's you, I just want you to just raise your hand up real quick so I can pray with you and for you. Anyone else? A couple hands going up. Good. I think most of us do have something. I mean, I'm not saying everyone has to raise their hand, but I know I'm, I'm working on my walls. I'm working on things that I want to get free from. And I'm just, I, I want to come into an agreement with you guys today, a holy agreement with the Lord, that we, the Rivers Church, will be a church of tearing down the walls in our own lives and in the lives of others. And if we agree with that and can uh, have that one of our, our, our tenets, one of our beliefs here that the river is going to be a place where broken people can come, people that are hurting, that are, are in bondage, that are suffering and tormented can come and be free. That's the church I want. That's what I want to spend the rest of my life doing is helping people get free and find their destiny in Jesus. So Lord, you've seen the hands, Lord, and I pray for every hand that's raised and that was raised. God, that you would begin a new work in them, that you would begin a new day and a new freedom in them. Lord, that they can get free from bondage, they can get free from the distractions of the enemy, and they can have the truth of God overtake their wall, just like you overtook this wall today. And if there's anyone here today that hasn't made Jesus Christ their Lord, the first thing you have to do to get free and to walk in freedom is to surrender your life to Christ, confess your sins, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if you've never done that, I need you to raise your hand if that's something you want to do. And this is a salvation ask right here. That is there anyone here that says, I want to get rid of this wall, but I haven't made Jesus my Lord. And if you really want to do that, you have to make Jesus your Lord first before you can tear down this wall. Is there anyone here that say, yeah, that's me, Pastor Doug. I, I want to give Christ my life today. I want to surrender my will to his. If that's you today, raise your hand. Anyone here this morning says, yeah, Pastor Doug, I've never surrendered my life to Christ or I've, gone, I've been away a long time. I'm kind of like the prodigal son or daughter. I've been running from God and I want to return today by confessing my sin and 
coming back to him. Is there anyone here today that says, yeah, that's me, Pastor Doug? All right, Father, you've seen the hands go up. You've seen into the hearts of all of us, God. You know where we're at, Lord. Take what we've learned today. Don't let it just be a one-time thing that we've seen. God, but make this a daily part of our Christian life that we are continuing to get free from the bondages in our life so that we can enter into your fullness and experience all the great things you have for us and truly walk in our destinies that you've designed for us, God. We want it all, Lord. We want everything your son died for to be experientially in our lives so that we can take this world for Jesus. And we love you. And we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 Love you guys. Have a great week. Um, we'll see you next week. And hey, talk to your friends. Talk to your, and invite someone to church. Amen. Wait, love you. Oh, wait, we, we have an announcement. Hold your horses. Kate's doing something, which she didn't tell me. She's she's out of order, but we're gonna let her go. Surprise! Well, when it's involving Cat, I'm a little concerned because she's just you know a little wild, edgy kind of you know. I mean, we could talk about her. She's out of the room, right? Oh, thank you. Thank you. In case anybody is wondering, it is Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Oh. Eric and Teresa, come on up. Eric and Teresa. Where's the mic? appreciate you guys. Um, thank you so much for everything that you do coming here and, um, you know, believing in what's going on here and sacrificing and loving everybody here and just being you and being the wonderful blessing that you are. So we're so thankful for you guys. Um, and <laughs> we're so thankful for you guys, you know, staying here, being here, not giving up as well. And, you know, I'm backwards, but, you know, just trucking <laughs> through everything, you know, with everybody here. So we love you all so, so much. And we love Bob and Vicki. I know they're, they're not here. No, Bob hasn't been feeling he's so gonna hot. He's going to be back. He came but... in the office this week, so he's right. Awesome. He's so, um, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, like less oh, of the other two. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, do you want to? Do you want to pray? Do you want me to pray? Okay. All right. Can we pray together real quick for um, our wonderful leaders here? Is that okay? Do we have like two more minutes? Yeah. <laughs> All right. If, if anyone wants to come up, that works too. All right, God. I just want to thank you so much. Thank you. Just I. I for being you and loving everybody here and allowing us to continue to love you and serve you and bringing us um, new leaders to help us in that journey and, um, and you know, giving strength to the ones that are still here, like I said. Um, so we just want to lift up these two and three wonderful couples to you and just pray for your continued energy and support and blessing <laughs> through us and, you know, through you, through us. You know what I mean? Anyways, um, so thank you again so much, God, and I just, just pray that you'd really encourage, encourage everybody, and well, my six everybody's. Okay, all right, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much.